I didn't get into running to stress myself out and lose sleep over something that's supposed to be so wonderful. I've just really like this year changed my mindset to just have fun with it. You know, I'm out there doing what I can and like take it all in. That was Priscilla Forgey, and this is episode 145 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Priscilla Forgey is a trail ultramarathon runner currently living in Edmonton, Alberta. She discovered running during a period of her life when she felt the need for connection and quickly found the trail running community provided exactly that. A few weeks ago, she was the top Canadian and eighth female to cross the finish line at Western States Endurance Run. Priscilla broke onto the elite scene in 2021 with a first place finish at the 125K Canadian Death Race and Grizzly Ultra 50K. In 2022, Priscilla not only won the near-death marathon outright, but set a new overall course record. She continued on to place first at the Squamish 50-50 and Ultra Trail to Aracana and earned her golden ticket to Western States with a second place finish at Canyons 100 this spring. In this episode, we talk about Priscilla's introduction to trail running, her experience at Western States this year, how her vegan diet supports her training and recovery, how important it is to be inclusive in our running community, and her plans for the rest of the season. There was a lot of laughing in this episode, and it was a pleasure to get to know this up-and-coming Canadian runner. We know you'll enjoy doing the same. So Priscilla, welcome to the Inspired Souls podcast. We're really excited to have you on tonight. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, we're really excited to chat with you. It's always exciting to chat with runners who are passionate and excelling in their sport, but also ones that just are easy to talk to. And I had the pleasure of meeting you in person. What was it like 36 hours ago, maybe almost 48 (laughs) at Sinister 7. It was at transition area six, I don't know, sometime between 11 and 12 p.m. in the dark. And I got my runner out back on course. And I saw this person standing there. I'm like, I think that's Priscilla. I'm chatting with her the day after tomorrow. Um, I'm going to take a risk. So I came up and like, are you Priscilla? And she's like, yes. So anyhow, we had a little bit of a, a pre-chat to tonight and you were just bubbling over with joy for being there, you know, in the the ultra racing community and part of a relay team, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah the, the women's relay yeah. team that won. So congratulations on that. And um, really excited to get to a little bit, know a little bit more about you. So on that note, why don't you just introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, no, thank you so much. I so I moved to Edmonton about, I'd say like eight years ago now and from Ontario. Uh, well, sorry, I'm not from Ontario. I grew up in Quebec, was there for a year. My father is in the military. So mm. um, then moved to Nova Scotia, and then mostly grew up in the Ottawa region. And then, so I, I kind of made my move over to Edmonton, Alberta, about um, eight years ago. And pretty much once I moved here, I like, fell in love with mountains and just being in the mountains. I was so surprised when I heard that people live in Alberta and for their whole life and never go to the mountains. I, I just couldn't believe oh, it. And I hear I, you. Uh, yes. I did have a little bit of a transition from get, having no swimmable bodies of water nearby yes the mountains made up for it (laughs) so um that's what I did I work a desk job during the day I have uh, an adopted puppy baby is her name and yeah live a pretty simple lifestyle nothing super exciting (laughs) running is pretty much nothing Super exciting, except, you know, what we're going to talk about very shortly, like top Canadian female Western States this year. But anyways, we'll get to that. Um, How did this all start? You broke onto the, you know, ultra running podium scene in the last two years with a vengeance. But where did your sporting and athletic background kind of start to grow? Yeah, so you know, I didn't grow up in any sports I like had took swimming lessons and that's pretty much the extent of it um when I was little and I you know I would kind of was just one of those like gym goers where you'd go and do maybe like 
a couple K on a treadmill and nothing really extreme. And so when I had moved to Edmonton, I was having some, just some difficulty like with my mental health and I was um, feeling quite isolated. And I kind of went on this like tangent of going and trying a different, a bunch of different things. And one of those things was to um, do a marathon clinic. So I pretty much like immediately once I joined, I just felt really connected with people. Like I felt like it was really easy to talk with people when you're running. And it, it's not just that you like have this thing in common that you start to enjoy running, you can connect through that, but you people open up more when they're running. So I just fell in love with running mostly because of the connection with other people. Uh, and then once I ended up finding trail running, I found more of a connection with myself. I, I didn't need to run with people anymore. I didn't need to run with music. I was just like tapped into this just different atmosphere and different, just like peace with myself and with um, just being more connected with nature. And, and then I, I don't know, I feel like it's just like a gateway drug once you get into to trail running to just for some reason go into longer distances. <laughs> and so, yeah, so trail runner goes to a 50K and then the next thing, seems to be 50 miler and then up, up from up there. From there. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. So it goes. Yes. <laughs> I think this is really interesting. Something that you just said. Now, I don't think a lot of people can articulate what it is they like about running with other people. A lot of people recognize I like running with other people, but you articulated that it's this like people open up more. There's like a natural way to connect with other people maybe when you're not looking at each other face to face or something like there's yeah. deeper conversations. And I really like that. I think that is subconscious for a lot of people, but mm-hmm. you were able to actually put your finger on it. And then with trail running, it went a step further where, Hey, look at, I'm connecting with myself. Now, do you think that that had anything to do with the setting? Like when you're on a trail and maybe in the mountains and by the water or whatever, do you think that that made it even easier to, you know, go out running alone and have that deeper connection to yourself? Oh, hundred percent. I find I kind of like, once again, to the trails, it takes away all the noise in life. Like, I feel like I just don't need a distraction. I can just be mm-hmm. with the trails and, and if I, I don't know, and I'm sure I really do think a lot of other people probably struggle with that, whether they have anxiety or just life stressors or something about like, if you can find that thing that you can tap into kind of a different side of you and can just kind of um, something that's calming. And I guess that's really what it was for me. It was calming. And mm-hmm. I felt like I was just kind of, I turn into a different human when I'm out there. So um, yeah. for the better. <laughs> yeah. And whether that's, conscious or subconscious, it makes you want to do more of it, right? Definitely. And it fills different I, needs at different times. Plot this on the timeline for us. It was eight years ago that you moved to Edmonton. How much after that did you begin running and then trail running? Because you broke onto the scene. I'm looking at the list of your accomplishments. It looks like 2021 is when yeah, like the Canadian so- death race, first female, third overall. Was that kind of the first like big win that you had? So I had done uh, a couple of 50Ks before that. Oh, sorry, in 100K race before um, during COVID, like when we were kind of just able to race right. during COVID. And uh, just, I guess, smaller scale races. It was a death race that seemed like it got more traction. Just there's so many people there. And um, it's kind of iconic just, and not just yeah, Canadian yeah. running culture, but really it's Definitely very well known race all over. Saying that yeah. Running the death race. Yeah. So that would have been, I guess I started like my first marathon, I believe would have been in 2018. And then I did two marathons, found the trails and then just continued with trails from there. Well, that in the grand scheme of things is really not that long ago. No, <laughs> so yeah. you've accomplished a lot in uh, in five years. But um, one other thing that stood out to me from your bio is that I think you have a twin sister. And this is another yes. thing that we share. Um, some of the listeners oh, may know this, but I actually am a twin as well, but not a sister. I have a twin brother. Oh, so wow. uh, yeah, yeah tell us that. about your twin sister. And is she close? Oh you geographically are you are you too close and does she run 
Yeah. So my twin sister, Chantella, she, she's actually the reason I kind of moved to Edmonton. She was living Mm. here and I wanted to change and was um, having a transition in my job. And so I ended up being like, you know what, I'm just going to move there and see how it goes. And um, she's now in Calgary. She does lots of mountain running and and trail running, just not as, um, I guess, like competitively. She had an injury. And so that's taken her a little bit out. Um, But whenever we can, like we did Skyline last Mm. year with each other. And that was fantastic. It's like, it's so nice. Yeah. 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 It's a, awesome. a is it 40, 40 K like yeah. beautiful, beautiful trail run and you can backcountry it as well. Um, in Jasper. And, uh, so we did that last year. We don't get to see each other a ton. Um, I wish we could see each other a bit more. You, you always think like out in town Calgary, they're pretty close, but they're know, not gets in the way right yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> well mind you the qe2 is getting faster and faster you can yeah. go like 130 easy now so yeah, <laughs> the time's getting slower <laughs> or shorter. Um, <laughs> but yeah she's like you know like we're we're so close she's we we always call each other womb mates i don't know if you call that's your- what <laughs> we call ourselves oh that's so cool now are the two of you, you identical or fraternal we are yeah you're identical. Oh, that's yeah. special. Another yeah. fun fact. Lots of people ask us if we're identical. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you want to think it. about that for a minute? <laughs> but yes, we it's do call each other roommates. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's oh, amazing. That's special. Okay. So the most recent amazing accomplishment that you just had was you were the top placing Canadian female at Western States this year. And I wanted to because it's fairly fresh. It was only a few weeks ago that you were down in California. So here's a few other fun facts or one other fun fact. Last year, not to compare, but just to put it into perspective, Elsa McDonald was the top female. She placed second um, in 1746-46. You were the top Canadian female at eighth place this year in 17... 46, 34, 12 seconds faster, eighth place instead of second place. So that kind of illustrates a little bit of what the whole theme of the day was, that it was just a fast day, a fast course. Um, Courtney DeWalter obviously broke like the women's course record by over an hour. I believe it was ridiculous. (laughs) Six, six overall. So I really just want to talk to you about like, what was it like to run this year when the variables were set up for fast, fast times? The big talk was obviously it was cooler this year than in many years past. I think they said it was the third coolest year on record, Mm -hmm. maybe not the coldest, but the third coolest. There was lots of snow in the high country for Canadian runner. I'd love to hear your perspective on, were you rolling your eyes at everybody freaking out about the snow? (laughs) Or were you completely, you know, crushing it? So just talk to us a little bit about what it was like to not only run Western States for the first hundred miler of your life, right? But finished like this. (laughs) Yes. So I'm just going to let you talk now and we'll just pull on some threads as you, you tell your story. That sounds perfect. Yeah. Well, I guess, well, Western States was phenomenal. I, I thought I knew like the scale of what it would be like in terms of like feelings and energy. And it would just like exceeded my expectations. You have just like these volunteers that come every year, you have communities all around the area that are kind of devote to Western States and, and just absolutely welcoming everybody into the towns and, it's just, you just feel the energy. Everyone's so excited for everybody and cheering everybody on. And I, I literally, like I told myself, I've been um, with all of my races this year. I've been, my, my plan has always been to uh, force myself to smile. It doesn't matter if I'm not feeling well, just force that smile and make my brain think that I'm having a good time even when I'm not. And um, I'm not lying when I say like, I literally couldn't stop smiling. And it wasn't that I wasn't forcing myself and I've done that before, but I, I just didn't have to do it for this, for this race. Like maybe in the last like 30 K that was like, there were no cameras out there, but like <laughs> I, 
I like, I just had such an amazing time and I felt so much gratitude the whole day um, that I got to be there. Just the environment, it was just, it was like electrifying. I loved it. So um, in terms of the, like the competition and the weather, like I, I really think, like, I think this is a monumental year. I think this is only it's not going to be like next year we're going to see slower times. I think this is a start of that women are pushing each mm. other and you could just feel it throughout the day. Like I have never ran a race that I've seen so many women <laughs> like during the race. I'm so used to racing quite like solo and, okay. but everyone was pushing themselves and, and you get that you get like a completely different level of competition when you're running together. And I think that like we're just kind of scratching the surface with getting women into ultra running. And I think it's just going to continue to get more competitive. And that makes me so excited. I used to think that I was intimidated by competition and it, I just had such a blast with it. I was like, it's, it's just going to continue to challenge me. It's going to challenge mm-hmm. everybody else in the ultra running scene. So that's really cool. Cause that's what the sport is about. Um, absolutely can I just pause you for a second you mentioned that you've never you're not used to running with so many women you're used to being solo like you're out in the lead and possibly with the men so remind me I remember you know hearing so much about I think it was f3 through eight like the five middle pack there were within you guys were within seconds to minutes of each other coming in and out of eight stations all the way through the race. Now, were you a part of that pack or did you come up? I think you were like more. So in there like were ten. two little packs. Yeah. Like there were okay. Two packs. There was a front pack from, I believe it was three to six and okay. three to seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then eight to 11 okay. were near each other as well throughout the day. So I didn't okay. see um, other than during the snow, I didn't see anybody um, like other than I, I guess I saw a couple of people, but never like there were like, yeah, like I was going back and forth with everyone from you, like, I think like seventh to 11th place. And it's just like, okay, oh my just God, lots of women. Did you run with Jenny at all? <laughs> I Jenny did. Yes, yeah. Yes. So past I, guest on our show, Jenny, yeah. and I was following her as well. So you got to, to spend some time on the trail together. Yeah. So Jenny and I actually were staying together when we were in the Olympic. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah. We're good friends. And um, it was, it's awesome. It's so funny because we also were wearing the exact same thing. Like we literally looked like twins on the trail. And, and you're both kind of Norda like athletes. Yeah. So just give a shout out to Norda. <laughs> it wasn't shoe company. Like, <laughs> and so we were just like, love. like Jenny looked at me and she's like, we're twins and I was like oh my god we're so cute like (laughs) and yeah we just had like we we chatted like I'm not the most talkative uh, racer like I just really don't I turn into a very antisocial human when I'm racing and so I would talk a little bit to people but even just having someone nearby like there's so much that can happen in 100 miles like if you're with someone like at the 80k mark then it's just like enjoy their company is really what I like learned during that race and it was really like it wasn't bad it was really until like after I got off the boat with Meg Morgan that I was like okay I have to book it I need to get away from females now well and you don't have to be talking to somebody to enjoy their company exactly. I think that's like a true like I'm a hardcore introvert and it's like you don't have to be talking to enjoy you know no. so I again I, I think it's interesting going back to what you had said in the beginning of like this is why I like running with people and <laughs> now I'm connecting to myself more you know and it's so it's like I'm enjoying these people's company without having to actually even talk to them so that's exactly. pretty pretty cool and you seem very wise and intuitive and um very much like Jenny Quilty I'm seeing you from the shoulders up and that's all I've ever seen of her too and I'm like yeah you guys could be <laughs> twins so the fact that you serendipitously dress alike and then run the race <laughs> together that's pretty awesome I can see why you love it well, we definitely had two great women to represent Canada in um, and and Norda in in the race. Um, I mean, I'm keep mentioning Norda because I want to give a shout out to this shoe company. Just real briefly, I run in Nordas as well. Absolutely love them. Um, I'm sure that's why you both did so well in the race, is because of your running shoes. So, hundred yeah. percent. No, my feet. Like <laughs> honestly, I was so like 
I actually use the twos and the ones during the race. Oh, because okay. I, I brand with the twos for definitely like not a distance I would ever recommend for anybody to just because like I needed a bit more support later on. But once I put on the ones, it was like, Oh my God, my, I feel like I'm running on clouds now. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. so nice. <laughs> no, that's, that's awesome. Okay. So we really don't have a script for this part of it. I just want to hear all about the day. So tell us about the first part, like the escarpment, you came up the escarpment and the big news of the day was snow, snow, there's going to be so much snow at the top. How did you Edmonton athlete, Montreal athlete find the snow? I actually love the snow. And it's not that I was like, you know, like booking it or anything in the snow. I immediately, once I got onto the snow, I knew the pace that I could go it's it was no different from the mountains that we have in Canada when it's in the winter time so like I, I just of the year you're running yeah in right in the so, high country yeah I just adjusted my pace and was like it honestly worked out for me because I was really struggling with the altitude I hadn't mm-hmm. acclimatized and so being able to just go slow was probably what like it literally was probably all I could do anyways at that time. So I had so much fun with it. Like I was just like sliding down the hills and just having a blast. And I know like a lot of people were not, but it was, it's kind of funny to come from Canada and see just how people are running on the snow. It's just like, like a fish out of water, just like I would be, I don't know, in a different terrain that I'm not familiar with. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Well, you speak to again, like the fact that you could naturally smile. You didn't have to force it. You were having fun. Like mindset's huge. And if you start a race Mm -hmm. out, you know, a hundred miles stressed out about footing and snow and the unknown of what that's going to look like, it can really take a lot of energy out of you, but you didn't have that. You didn't worry about it. No, like, you know, I, um, the first and only race that I've ever ran that I had a really bad mindset in was Havelina that I DNF'd in October of last year. And I've told myself I'll just never to align with that level of stress. I wasn't in a good headspace at that time. And it's just, you know, like I didn't get into running to stress myself out and lose sleep over something that's supposed to be so wonderful um, and transformative in our lives. And so I've just really like this year changed my mindset to just have fun with it. And, you know, I'm out there doing what I can and there's nothing I can change about my training. So just go and like, take it all in. Right. I paid for this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, that's amazing. So this was another topic of the day, right? Um, As we were watching the live, live broadcast was okay. Everybody was expected to start slower, take the snow slow, but then the splits in the next few sections were expected to be a lot faster because people had started slower. I know you don't have any reference point. You've never run Western States before, but did you find you were running, you know, some of the sections after down from the high country a little faster than expected because you had started slower? Were you just running in your own no yeah like even like in the high country like I was just so I was struggling with altitude that I was just kind of like yeah I was trusting my fitness and that was all I could do is there's nothing I can change the fact that I can't breathe um so I just stuck with the pace that I knew like my exertion levels wouldn't go over the roof with and I didn't change any like I just basically focused on how I felt and if I felt like I was going too hard, I just slowed it down. Yeah, it obviously worked for you. You know, you, you've you had, we, we keep talking about how fresh and new you are to the scene, but you've had two years of some really solid race experience and finishes. You know, you set the course record at the Canadian death race near death marathon, first overall, like not just women's course record, overall course record last yeah. year. Ultra Trail du Hurricana, first female, Canyon, second female just this year. You know, you've done quite a bit. So you have some, you know, decent running experience. And sounds like, though, you were able to just really not get overly distracted by competition and what everybody else is doing. You just ran your own race, which is what we hear over and over again from the people that do well. Um, Elsa talked about that last year. You know, it's just like it's an 80K warm up or 80 mile warm up. And <laughs> 20 mile race, right? (laughs) Run your own race. So 
I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your crew and your pacers. Like, what was your strategy there? Did you have a strategy? Did you just kind of like take <laughs> things as they came? How did that well, all work for you? You know, it's so funny. Like, I had um, some people ask me if I wanted help with crewing. Like, after I got my golden ticket at Canyons uh, eight weeks prior, but I was like, you know what? No, like, I only need like my my partner Dan he'll just crew me and then maybe he'll pace me too, but I don't know if I'll need a pacer. So I was just kind of like very, like I'm not a huge planner. I, I just knew it would end up working out. Okay. And I had asked him too. I'm like, do you want to have like, should we get more people? And he's like, no, I'll be totally fine. And he did fantastic. He like managed to give me all my food, water, ice me, like make sure I'm not alive and I'm doing okay. And, um, and then I picked him up at, uh, right before the river crossing and he came with me on the river and then, um, for the last 36 K. So it's, whoa, whoa, it's whoa. Kinda... so he crewed you the entire race by himself <laughs> and then he paced yeah. you yeah. the last 36 K. This man's a yeah. keeper. Holy I smokes. know he's wonderful. It was hilarious. Like he and it, we had like some hiccups. We he actually like oh man, it's so funny. So we are running and it's starting to get dark, and all of a sudden he falls like falls on the ground, and I'm still like I can't stop. And any other setting, I would stop and make sure he's okay. But like he's laughing because he hears me like pitter patter, and then like this distant, "Are you okay?" <laughs> and see ya. And, like, <laughs> yeah, like, I love you, but I have to go. <laughs> um, and he, I so he he runs back up to me, and I was like, "Why don't you put your headlamp on? Like it's getting pretty dark." And he's like. Well, here's the thing. I, I forgot my headlamp. <laughs> and so I have mine, thankfully. And so he spends the next, like, few minutes just, like, stumbling in the trail. Oh, and finally takes out his cell phone. So he crewed me <laughs> 36K with his cell phone for his light. And it's, like, a pretty technical area. So he's and just, like, falling over the place and like god love and like oh my god and so he like he definitely put a lot out there and at the last mile maybe mile and a half I so the last aid station I was he had to grab water and I'm like I'm out like I need to finish this and so I start just like booking it up the hill and then I see my coach David Roche and I he starts chatting with me and then I'm like, okay, like we're close. Like, where's the finish? And we know it's close. And so I start like sprinting. And so Dan is still like trying to catch up. And basically like David takes, like I said, he's like, Mr. Steal your girl. Cause like basically David took me and then Dan's like gone. Oh no. <laughs> so, like, he eventually caught up right at the track and then they saw me off and oh and, um, that's yes. a story. Oh my goodness. I'm I'm almost crying because I don't want to make this about me, but I've been in that place. I've been in the dark where my headlamp died at Tahoe and I've got my oh, cell phone out. And I'm like, thank God for this cell phone. The iPhone light is amazing. It but is. I okay, so what does this speak to? You? It lasted for 36k. We're like either you guys were running super fast or he had his phone fully charged or the iPhone just has an amazing battery life. Like one of those three, like, Oh man. Yeah. I don't know. Like he is just like a superstar because like, I don't know how he did it, but that's, that's, I'm so grateful too. Like he definitely like would have, if he couldn't keep up, he would have just let me go. I'm so grateful like that. He didn't like, he was able to stay with me. Um, cause he was like kind of holding me accountable. I didn't think I would need a pacer. I've, I have always said like, I can just run my own pace. Like no one's going to let me like make me go faster. But he said pretty much immediately once we started, um, when I started to hike a hill, he was like, no, you're not allowed to do that. You're running all of the hills. There's someone a few minutes behind you. And so I kind of like, kind of grunted something under my breath and then was like what's even the point of arguing and just literally ran all the hills till the end and so Mm -hmm. I'm like so grateful for him that 
he did that because I, I wouldn't have gotten eighth place had it not been if I just kind of mm. had more in the reserves than I thought. You drew the best yeah. out in you. That's amazing. Now, wow. I'm curious. You said this is your first hundred miler that you finished. You started yes. and DNF'd another one. So you've kind of got the newbie thing going on a little bit. Like this is all yeah. a brand new challenge, but also something that you said of like, you're not a huge planner. Like I, I, I wonder what from your perspective is the advantage of being new at something and not overthinking things. I think that's what it is. It's just not overthinking it. I, like I, I've done it before with, I think we all have, right. And, and you think about, and whenever you stress about something and you're really anxious about something, you always look back and be like, Oh my God, like, I feel like I lost a year to my life from just like stressing about something that's so unnecessary. And so outside of our control, like there's a few things that you can control and make sure that go okay for race day. Um, but like getting into like really like minor details and, and thinking of all different scenarios, is just not worth it. Cause like, especially for a hundred miles, that anything can happen on that day. So. Yeah, because the things that are actually going to happen, you probably never could have even guessed. Exactly. Right? Like there is <laughs> something to be said for for planning a little bit and and yeah. going over different scenarios. But yeah, I agree with you. There's definitely a point where it's too muchy and it just creates unnecessary stress. Yeah, I've been well, trying let's... like definitely just bringing like I want running to be enjoyable as enjoyable as it can for me so anytime I'm finding like I'm stressing over anything or something's not bringing me joy then I'm just checking myself and being like okay let's just chill out <laughs> not take myself too seriously no that's really interesting to me because this has come up in a few of our most recent conversations with people that dichotomy or just a position between mental preparation and preparing for all the the possibilities so that when they happen, you don't have to like catastrophize and you know what to do and visualize the power of visualization versus the power of just letting go and, you know, taking it as it comes. And, you know, I think it was Anne Trayson who talked a bit about visualizing a race, but only up to a certain point before the race, because at a certain point you have to shut it off. So I think she shut it off at like 10 days before the race. She wouldn't visualize anymore because um, we do know that when as physios, right, when you do an exercise, you get stronger, but when you visualize doing the exercise, yeah. there's some strength benefits to that as well. Like it's as if your body actually did it. And so if you over visualize and overthink things, it can exhaust you in exactly the same way as actually doing the thing. And yes. so you have to be able to like shut that off. You know, I like, that's so funny that you say that because I've, I've read about visualizing like recently and um, like prior to Western States and I like, simplified it so much where I literally, I think three times visualized myself when I was lying in bed, winning Western States. Cause you know, that's okay. so, like, of course. reasonable. Yeah. And I just thought like, what is the most like outrageous scenario? And then I just thought about how happy I'd be. And I just felt really good. <laughs> I feel like that's what everyone should do. <laughs> Absolutely. Just really make it simple. <laughs> Visualize yourself smiling in the hard parts and running yes. down those worst parts, <laughs> having a blast. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Is there any, are there any other stories from the day that you'd like to share with us? You know, there's one story, like I just back to like the community and, and just and like racing with other women. I, um, there was one woman I had with Meg Morgan when we were running after it was at the first transition that we got to see our crew. So I, I around like the 50 K mark or so, and we were just running together and we were really quiet and like, we had talked a little bit before and then just kind of got to this, just like like Carolyn, you were saying, like, just being able to have, like, it share each other's kind of space and energy. And like Megan just like, is like, you know what? I'm really enjoying this right now. She's like, I know we're not talking a lot, but I, she's like, I just appreciate, like, I can't remember exactly what she said, but she's just like, this feels really good and comforting for me right now. And I'm like, it's just for me too. Like, it's just, it's so nice that you can be, like 
competitive with someone against someone, but you're also there like supporting them and you want them to have a good day too. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that like women in ultra running or in any sport, like being able to be competitive and push each other and push ourselves, but then also support each other is just like something that's really beautiful. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you, you need those people to get the best yeah. out of yourself. Exactly. Too. So being supportive and being competitive with people can coexist, I guess, is what you're saying. 100%. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And especially in a sport, like, it's not like in the 100 meter dash, women are like, I'm yeah. so glad that we're here sharing this you know, time no together. It's like all business and not enough time to to be able to enjoy the moment, I guess. But in ultra running, that's sort of the entire point of it, right? Is that we're out here for a long time and a lot of stuff is going to happen. And the more you know, calm you are, the better you do, right? Exactly. You might as well yeah. enjoy it, right? Exactly. <laughs> You mentioned earlier, like, um, you didn't have to force the smiles. Was there ever a time in the race where you did feel like you had to kind of fake it till you make it? Oh, <laughs> or... yeah. So, like I said, there were no photos from the 30 kilometers. <laughs> so, pretty much, like, after the river crossing, you didn't see any photos of me, which is really good. <laughs> because I that was when Dan told me I wasn't able to hike any of the hills I told someone it sounded like I was in labor the amount I was panting I was just going so hard up the hills because I knew people were close by and I knew I was so close to the finish I guess it's like what Courtney says like getting into that pain cave and that's exactly what I did I I was just kind of I had a focus and I it's kind of when you get to a point like I'm not looking around at me and thinking about Mm -hmm. what I was beautiful Mm -hmm. and all that stuff like I did earlier in the day, I'm really just in like almost like zoned out eyes glazed over and just in a completely different space, a different entity, like part of me that, um, you don't really see very often and you don't realize that is actually there. And so I, like, I, I love getting into that space. I really like, that's probably the deepest I've got. And, um, it made me excited and read like afterwards being like, wow, like I can push myself when I'm really like, think that I don't have anything left. And I think that we're all just capable of so much more than we think we can do physically. If you have the mental strength there. Yeah. Um, you express that so well. I'm curious though, you were in this tunnel vision in your pain cave, doing your thing, not noticing what was around you, but at the same time, you're, you're running in the lead pack, 10 women. Were you aware that you were like, were you already in the top 10 at that point? I'm forgive me. Yes. I didn't follow the race that closely That's were you what, yeah. in eighth, all the way through to the finish in that last 30 K or was there some awareness yes. of competition around you? I was in eighth for all of that last 36 K, okay. Okay. Uh, but I knew that either Meg or Leah were right behind me because I heard someone. <laughs> and then when I was on a switchback up the hill, I saw a headlamp and I was like, okay, like I know no matter, like there is someone at one point I heard footsteps and I like in my I don't know I'm a loose lady or something and that was like is there someone behind us to Dan and he's like no and I was like oh my god thank god because <laughs> I just was waiting for someone to come behind me and pass me so um that like again just having that competition is so good for us mm-hmm. because yeah. like if I didn't think that someone was so close and maybe I wouldn't push so it hard you know yeah 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 it was and it was so exciting I, I swear yeah. the last two years have been a a spectator's dream for women's ultra running. I tell you, it's just so exciting. Um, So before we move on to potentially another topic here, what was that finish like? Like coming down into Placer High School and running the track, like what was that like? Oh my God, it's so funny because like the whole, like when I was talking to David in the last mile, I was like, I just want to be finished. I just want to be finished. Like this is really painful. And then once I got there, I was like, like on the track, I was like, just so it's like this combination of like there's all these people around cheering for you but then you're like battling the fact that you're like really uncomfortable 
and then like you see the finish line, you know that you're not going to be uncomfortable anymore. So it's like this elated feeling that um, you can't really describe unless you've experienced it in a race. So, um, and, and you just know that you've given it your all. So it is, it was the best. Like I, I was just so happy and, um, just having like laughs after and hanging out with everyone is, it's just a blast. Well, congratulations. You did <laughs> Thank you an so amazing much. thing that Thank day. <laughs> it's something I'm sure you'll remember for the rest of your life, oh. no matter how many more hundred finishes you have, definitely. What a, what a place to have your first hundred finish. Yeah, right. So, F eight, are you going back next year? You guarantee hundred percent. Yeah, as long as okay. my body allows, I will like a thousand percent be back. Yes. Okay, that's so <laughs> awesome. Okay, well, another topic we wanted to touch on with you is um, you are a vegan athlete, so. Yes. Tell us uh, how long, how long have you been vegan? Why vegan? And maybe actually let's start with just for people that may not know, what is vegan? Of course. Yeah. So vegan is uh, like basically anything that you can imagine that comes from an animal. I don't eat that in my diet. So okay. uh, that com- goes from like dairy, meat, gelatin, anything Honey, that comes from all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, so my diet consists of predominantly like whole foods. So I get all my protein from like soy, lentils, chickpeas, all that stuff, lots of vegetables, fruits. Um, and I've been vegan for, uh, about probably around 15 years now. So I've, um, I was a 16 when 16 or 17 when I transitioned to um I started off as vegetarian um and then uh and it was for animal rights I had that was my main reason um I just I've always loved animals growing up and felt like very connected with nature and uh when I had just found out more about kind of what I was eating and um it just didn't feel right for me. It didn't connect with my values. So I yeah, so then I made that transition and heard so many people tell me I would go back and, and 15 years later I'm still here. So Okay. That's yeah. really interesting. So that was my big question is how long and why? So um value driven you know, not necessarily performance driven or something like that or allergies or anything. 15 years is a long time. You know, there's many other top ultra running athletes who are vegan, you know, um, Scott Jerick's the first one that comes to my yeah. mind. Eat Run was one of the first books I read after Born to Run. Yeah. But I got into the, the, the sport and had to buy the actual physical copy so I could have the recipes because they're so amazing. I did, you know, audio first. So I guess I'm curious, um, what your experience has been like, like you've been vegan for years before you turned elite ultra Mm -hmm. runner, what special considerations have you had to make in your diet to support, you know, the immense training load and, and racing load that you, you have now. I'm curious about both your training and your racing. Of course. Yeah. So the biggest one as an ultra runner is iron. A lot of people think it's, it's protein. Like I think in general, as a society, we have too much protein in our diet. So like, there's no issues with protein for me. It's so it's, it's really just iron because as a female and running as much as I do, I'm just in general going to be like a lot lower in iron than another individual that isn't, doesn't run as much or male. So that's the only thing that I do supplement with is, is iron. Cause I just can't, there's it's a, like, you can't run hundred plus K weeks and get enough iron in your diet. Or if you did, maybe you just have to eat like a lot more of that type of food that I maybe just don't want. So, but in general, like I, I'm, my diet is no different than anybody else's. It's just, if you think like, if you're going to have a chicken, I'm going to have something like uh, tofu or chickpeas or lentils or some other sort of, or, but really like, it's not, it's not really, people think it's a lot different, but nowadays it's, it is a lot more easier to get, um, vegan options. I don't eat out a lot. I cook all my food for the most part. Uh, I also probably make it sound a lot easier than it is because I was doing it for 15 years. So it's right. hard to, yeah. um, but 
uh, yeah, like I, w- one thing I have noticed is that when I compare myself to others, like in terms of recovery, and I know everyone's different, I really, really am like certain that a vegan diet is just like significantly helps with my recovery. Um, it just with it, most of the foods I'm eating are quite Mm -hmm. anti-inflammatory. Um, and I, and I think in general, I'm more conscious about what I'm eating post-race too, so that I'm getting the nutrients that my muscles need to recover. Um, I, cause I, I can be very, very easy. Like I'm all for, like, I always have treats, before and like all in my training and racing but I always make sure I have treats plus the nutrition nutrition it can get like when I started off in ultra running I was like I need all of the chips and all of the cupcakes like everything that because you just are so depleted and so hungry all the time and I realized mm-hmm. actually I really need nutrition or I'm going to get injured because my nutrient dense foods as yeah. well yeah exactly. so I'm glad you mentioned that because you know, I've spent some time experimenting with different arts myself. And one thing it's very easy if you're going in vegetarian or vegan to just fall into the pasta and rice trap, right? And tomato sauce, like there needs to be a lot of different variety, your legumes, your, your beans, your lentils, your chickpeas, like you mentioned for you know, just getting all the nutrients you need as well mm-hmm. as to keep it from being bloody boring all the time. You know, yeah. Thing, right. So do you think that your, you know, 15 years of experience really help helps you to have variety in your diet and, and keep that? I definitely, yeah, I think it you know? does. I think why I feel like a vegan diet isn't as difficult as when I, when I'm saying it, it's because it's not like I'm eating a bunch of like vegan alternatives, like the processed okay. things, like I'm yes. not replacing yes. stuff. Hold I just, it. I eat a lot of vegetables and I feel like, like if everyone just ate a lot more vegetables and even if they just had like a little side of protein and your grain, like I really do think it could solve a lot of health issues. Um, I, I know I went into being vegan for animal rights, but, um, and the environment, but like when we think about our health, I really, really do think that it's, the answer um even if we did it in a like an if it not vegan but maybe just a smaller scale um having just a little bit less um dairy and meat and more vegetables and fruits in our diets i think that um people would feel a lot better yeah um mm-hmm. yeah especially if they're like doing sports and like just to make sure that they're getting their nutrition the yeah. nutrients is important yeah. so during race day did Dan bring a lot of your own food to all the different places he could crew you? Or did you find there was enough stuff that you could eat off the aid station tables? Like what was your nutrition? Oh, was like, it liquid? I'm curious. I'm like the cheapest racer ever. I like, I only eat my own food. Okay. So like I, I just have gels through, okay. throughout the whole yep. day. Yeah. So I used Humachia gels mm. and Morton mm. and, okay. uh, and then just electrolytes throughout the day. So um you you run 100 miles on gels alone yeah I had so many gels (laughs) wow that's awesome okay well Martin and Huma are good you know for sure yeah go ahead I was just gonna say how many gels do you have to consume cheap for the race but not cheap for you (laughs) so think about like almost 18 hours about two to three gels an hour (laughs) whatever that works out to yeah that's like are you sponsored by morton and yeah there you go (laughs) i have been trying (laughs) i'm like to me (laughs) and what electrolyte do you use i was just gonna say what electrolyte do you use to supplement as well i use scratch but i used i also like do what they say don't do and just use what they have at the aid stations because like my i have a really good stomach and I didn't have crew like that certain aid station. So I just grabbed what they like the goo um electrolytes and they worked great. Love yeah. You. yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I can't it's I, all those natural probiotics that you have in your belly yeah. from eating tempeh and all that <laughs> good stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay. So you definitely have found it to be not limiting to be a vegan athlete. If anything, there's advantages and pros for you, particularly in the recovery. I have a side note. I, at the last 
like five miles of the race, I came into the second last aid station. I think it was second last or last. Um, I'm like, just like in my zone, like down trying to get out. And then this guy was like, Hey, okay. So you're just going to be taking like a left turn up there. And I look over and it's Scott Drake. I'm really oh, kidding you. Yes, I'm I heard shocking. he was there. Yes, he was there. He was volunteering. And I look where I was like, die. I got another second wind of energy. Oh, and was like, I'm sure. I was like, you are so amazing. And he's like, you're amazing. I was like, Scott, Drake just told me I was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the happiest moment. One, probably one of the happiest moments of my race. <laughs> oh, that's all. Do you have his book? I'm sure you do. I do, yes. I, or books. I'm, he has multiple it's, um, books. Yes. He, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The eat so, and run one is great. <laughs> you know what my favorite is just the simple miso rice balls. Like oh, rice balls with miso in the middle and nori those. wrapped around the outside. Oh, I've heard favorite. really good things about them. So yes. I should, yeah, yeah, try <laughs> them sometime. Okay. All right. So we've talked a lot about your running. You haven't been running for too, too long, but what do you think is uh, one of the most significant ways that it has changed you over the past five years? Oh my God. It's two ways. So the community like the running community is like my like everything like I am like I could probably tear up talking about it because it it kind of saved my life in so many ways like running I am just like it it took me in a completely different direction than I think I was going and I have it's just always been like no matter where I go no matter what race I go to but definitely like in my own community that I've gotten to know um, in Edmonton, it, it's like nothing else. And I know that other athletes would probably say the same thing about their communities. I feel like mine is the best, but <laughs> it's just, it brings me so much joy. People are always lifting each other up. I, I, I just, yeah, I, I, that's like definitely one of my biggest things that's changed my life is just how much joy the running community has brought for me and that I never realized it could. And then for myself is really just what it's done for me in terms of connecting with my mind and body. Just, you don't like, you think of running as just something that's physical and it's so much more than that. And uh, I'm super grateful for just what that's given me. It's a gift. Yeah. It's the, second time that you've mentioned, so I'm, I'm going to pull on this thread if you will indulge me for just a second. You mentioned mental health earlier on and running kind of came into the picture and helped with your mental health. Can you expand on that if you're comfortable? Yeah, I have in the past struggled with depression and I um, and I think just with any sort of mental health illness, you can become very isolated and and down on yourself. I've struggled with self-esteem and with running, it's been something like, it's not like immediately once I started running, everything was gone. Um, I've, I've, uh, with that, like substance use, like alcohol has been something that I've struggled with as well. Um, but it, and I've been pretty open about that with um, with the community, um, I guess, and even more now on this podcast, people know, but, um, I think it's something that we should talk about because I don't, I know I talk a lot about how joyful running is and how much it makes me happy in the community. And, but there's things that happen kind of that a lot of people don't see. So being able to be more open about it, we can talk with each other about it and what, and not just about, you know, what our races are and what our training is like, but really get like with running, we can get a lot closer with each other. So let's talk about what the struggles that we're having and not just our achievements. And that's been something that has just brought for me and I am. I think I'm babbling now. <laughs> no, you know, you're not babbling. You're really, you're speaking from experience and from perspective. And I think the reason we started this podcast and I met you the other day, just bubbling over with joy and gratitude. And like you said, running is a gift. And I think you can only really appreciate the depth of that gratitude when you've experienced less and the other yeah, side, right? Definitely. And it really 
yeah, puts things into perspective and really makes you realize what life would be like without that in your life. And um, you're right. I think we do need to talk about it more. You're not alone. You know, we've had not only many people mm-hmm. on our podcast have talked about this, but, you know, I've experienced that too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think if, if, if every person's honest with themselves, truly honest, some of us have had lower lows than others, but we've all had lows and we've mm-hmm. all had times in our life where we've needed a hand up or a source of joy outside ourselves and a need to realize our full potential and our capabilities. And I'm hearing from you that running has really given you all of that. It's given you joy, gratitude, perspective on life, and, you know, an awareness of what you're capable of, which is, you know, unlimited, right? Definitely. No, I I totally agree. And I hope that that is what other people get from the running communities as well. And that kind of makes me think about just like, inclusivity of running because I like I think about it a lot because I'm like a white cisgender runner and I think that it's something that we should like I, I think as we talk more about mental health we can also talk more about inclusivity to make sure that everyone's welcome in such a great mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. Uh, because I think that everyone deserves it and I don't know like I've been trying to think of ways that I can do better with that and I, I think even just starting the conversation more with people um, and always making sure that we're welcoming others that are coming into groups for the first time and maybe feeling out of place um, or in the racing community um, I know that there has been talk about some concerns about western states just with um, there were some Confederate flags that were flying near um, Green Gate um, oh, from what we heard. Yeah. So okay. I want to make sure I'm doing my part in every way. And I don't want to always boast about how wonderful the running community is when I'm included in that running community so easily and others aren't. And so I think we all can do a part to make it more inclusive. And I, that's what I want for everybody. And it doesn't matter what your gender is, your sex, your race, like who cares, right? Like it's like what we want is to just get out, enjoy the trails, enjoy conversations, talk about what's bothering us and be there for each other. So, and like, when do you get that with a sport? I don't know. I think ultra running just like, or running in general just taps into that. So it really, really does. And, you know, I think back to how Western states originated right? It was Gordy Amesley running this thing behind his horse and almost died in the canyons of heat exhaustion with like a handheld. And for years, that's all ultra running was. It was like shirtless and a couple of handhelds. And that was it, right? Very minimal. It's become, you know, this thing where you need a crew and you need to fly to all these places, do qualifiers. And, you know, yes, it has become, let's just say you have to have a higher SES sometimes do these things. But at the same time, do you really, like, if you really want to do it, you don't need all that stuff. You proved you can do Western States with one crew yeah. and pacer combined. Definitely. Right? <laughs> um, and you don't have to spend, you know, $400 a month on steak. Like you can do it with, with what you've got and what you choose to do with. So, yeah, I appreciate you addressing that topic, Priscilla. I think it's an important one. And I hope on our podcast, we can talk about these things more. Yeah. I hope so too. Yeah. Yeah. It's Good. Very okay. The platform to talk about it. Absolutely. I respect that. So, Mm -hmm. okay. As we conclude this episode, I'm sure we could talk for another two or three hours and we might have to have you back on again, depending on what comes up next. So that is exactly the question. What's coming up next for you? Do you have anything else on your list for this race season? So I'm doing CCC on September 1st. I know, right? Like who, who am I? Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> I, in April, I would have, like, I I don't even know what I had planned, but it was not Western States and CCC. So, so how did CCC come on your, like, list? Uh, you know what? Like, my whole plan with Canyons was not to get a golden ticket. It was to get into UTMB top 10. Okay. And that was my, like, A race. I wanted to get into UTMB. Um and that's kind of a bit more of my <laughs> style for running. Well, I yes. race it, but I love the mountains. So yeah. I, uh, so what my compromise with myself was that I would do Western States and CCC and like drop down to the 100K distance. So yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> just we 100K. Yeah, yeah, just 100K. <laughs> but you know what? CCC and UTMB have always 
been on my radar as well. And CCC was one that I actually got into during COVID and couldn't go. But one of the things, I didn't feel it to be a compromise because I've heard so many times that in the UTMB course, of course, so much of it is at night, right? But if you do CCC, you get to see the best parts of the course during the day. I love that. And I was like, this is, this is my jam. Like, this is okay. This is not a lesser thing. So you can go and you can do CCC and see all the best parts of the course and then maybe go back and do UTMB next year. That's yeah. Well, I have Western States next year. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) You could do both. There's many people. (laughs) Elsa did both, didn't she? Well, no, she didn't. She didn't do Uh, No, who was it? Marianne. 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 There is like, and asked yeah. me that's like, Courtney's doing hard. Yeah. Why am I not doing YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I think you're very wise. I think, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing. You're going to have a great time. So yeah. enjoy I'm it. excited to tell you about it. I'll let you know how it yes, goes. Yes, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah. Next time I'm in Edmonton, I'm going to have to be like, Let's let's go for coffee. Maybe not a red. There's no way yeah, I can keep great. Up, Maybe coffee. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> you're all about it. Okay. Where can people follow along with you? If uh, do you have social media that we can yeah. we can track along with all of your adventures? Yeah, so I am on Instagram. It's uh, my Instagram is Prissy Forgy, so P R I S S Y Forgy F O R G I E. Great, we'll put that in the show notes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Again, congratulations and your you. not just amazing finish at Western States, but you know, really all of the accomplishments of the last few years. We're really looking forward to seeing what comes up in the next few years for you. Me too. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. 